Welcome to the Insider's Guide to Finance, where we dive into stories from the front lines of financing public and private companies. I host seasoned CEOs, fund managers, bankers, brokers, and business experts who will answer your questions about how to properly engage investors, finance opportunities, and build outstanding success stories. We dig into the educational how-tos and mechanics of structuring good deals. You'll also hear about strokes of luck, tense negotiations, and the pressures of closing, while also getting insights on how to best navigate the public markets. Welcome back to the Insider's Guide to Finance. Now, when it comes to financing, it seems that most small and medium-sized business owners believe that selling equity is their best course for raising capital. Perhaps it's the simplest or least burdensome way to raise that money. Our guest today is Tom Clausen from True Viking Finance. He's here today to dispel that myth. We have a fair bit of discussion about the differences between equity and debt capital, as there are many very important differentiators to keep in mind. Tom makes the point that you should be looking to raise money from a debt lender first and not an equity investor. The bottom line is that debt financing should be your first pursuit of capital always. In this conversation, we're going to get into the details of what you need to know so you make the right decision when capitalizing your company. And before we get started, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Olympia Trust Company. Olympia is an outstanding provider of transfer agent and corporate shareholder and trustee services and has been supporting the Canadian capital markets for well over 20 years. I can speak from experience that the team strives to deliver on their promise of making it personal. So thanks again to the team at Olympia Trust Company, and I encourage you to reach out to them at any time. You can find their contact information in the show notes. Now, enjoy the show. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation as, uh, as I understand, you've got a long history in helping small and medium enterprise access capital. And there's so many different forms of capital you can go after. But with that, there's also the, the pitfalls or the hooks that can, can get sunk into a company if they finance wrong. And so I wanted to open up our conversation about uh, how to finance SMEs. But uh, perhaps the best way to start is with an introduction about yourself. Sure. Great. Thanks. Uh, well, my name is Tom Clausen, and my new business is True Viking Finance, Inc. I'm at truevikingfinance.ca. Well, I was conceived in Norway, born and raised in Canada, and I spent a good part of my career in the U.S. Uh, I've got a BCom at UBC, but I've made an entire career out of one page in that textbook. I have been working with small businesses who typically or have been declined by the bank, or have just received a large purchase order, or they are growing and they're looking for financing. Access to working capital and cash flow. That's what I'm all about. And for 30 years, I worked as a lender, and I worked with all the different lenders who who would uh, lend money to small businesses. Today, I work for the small business owner and I help them to lend or to borrow better. Hmm. To uh, and and so I have a website where I try to encourage a conversation with myself, where I help to determine what the needs are of that small business. Each business is uniquely different, and and business owners have different goals. So without that conversation, 
you cannot come up with the right answer for that business. Now, now what are the kind of businesses you work with? And when, when you're looking at the different forms of financing, what's the bite size? How much money are these companies typically accessing? And yeah, let's kind of, can you give us some of those parameters so we can build on our conversation? Yeah. No, I work with all sizes. I mean, right from the uh, the small business who, uh, you know, just like I said, got a big purchase order from Costco. They need twenty, thirty thousand dollars quickly. Right up to the my last conversation here is with 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 a company, uh, large oil and gas company that needs a million dollar line of credit. Actually, they need two hundred thousand dollars by tomorrow. But you know, when you get into the picture. It's a great business. A lot of these poor guys, they had a tough time up there, and now things are better. They're turning around, but they can't get the financing. Mm. So I'm a, but I am a debt lender. I am an anti equity lender. I focus my efforts on debt, and I do not participate in equity. Equity Mm. to me, uh, you know, I call them the uh, sharks, dragons, and vultures, and angels dressed like them. And so what I advocate are these small business owners. There really is t- only two ways to finance a business, and that's debt or equity. So you start there. And what I encourage my clients and, and business owners who call me is to avoid using equity uh, as and use that as the last resort. Mm. And that I show them all the debt tools that are available to them that they should use and consider first before doing any kind of equity dilution. I have seen too many sad stories where great businesses come to me and that business owner, I could offer them a solution, but they can't take it because the decision is not only theirs. Of course. Once you bring in a partner, bring in a shareholder, once you dilute your equity, you were beginning to lose control of that business and your ability to dictate what goes on. Yeah. So my yeah. ideal client, you know, that's to finish with that would be somebody who's a business who's selling already maybe a hundred thousand, a hundred and you know, ten thousand a month, hundred and twenty thousand a year. All of a sudden they get a big order, and now they're or maybe their sales are now projecting to two million a, a year, or maybe you know, growing rapidly from that million a year. Even, you know, 120,000 a year to a million or a million to three or that tough one, you know, three million to 10 million. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think the hardest part about finance is starting a business. Yes, that's challenging, but it's nothing compared to growing a business from a million to 10 million in sales. That's that's there. there is something there. And I want to come back to that because. I've heard that often that companies to go from a million to 10 million is a huge step change in everything they have to do. And it's almost as risky as starting the business in the first place. I really liked your point about you being the anti-equity advisor. And, yeah. uh, and the reason why I say that, I mean, I grew up in the world of equity, as I, I, I say, and that's what I understand. I have never actually worked with debt before. So to hear you say you're the anti-equity advisor or, or that's how you feel, I think that's really interesting and really powerful because it is so true. As soon as you start to give up some of that equity, you're losing control and so much more. And, and you can be putting a nail in the coffin of your business, not knowing it you know, two years later kind of thing. 
So, so, so these companies they come to you, let's, let's start to build on, maybe you can, can put some more color to the challenges you see some of the, your clients when they reach a million bucks and they want to go to 10, what does that look like? And how can we tie it back? How to properly finance? You know, somebody comes to me and they're, they're you know, their business is at a million dollars and they, 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 there is some financing in there, right? They, they typically, they've, they've, uh, They've got a, uh, most of my leads come from bank turndowns. I have a network of bankers. I work with bankers. I offer myself as a resource to them so that they have somebody to refer when they have to decline somebody. The people wow. I listen to, it's one in 10 bankers actually listen to me. That's one in 10 bankers that really cares about their clients. And, and so those are the people that I try to connect with. And so they, they have a client that's, he's got a, Maybe a three hundred thousand dollar line of credit, and he's been bumping his head on the uh, on that, or maybe these financials didn't look so good. So the banker now has to tell him, "No, you got to pay back that line of credit," or "No, I cannot increase your line of credit." And so they say, "You should talk to Tom." And so that client comes to me, and I go, "Okay, so you look at why he got that line of credit at the bank. It really has nothing to do with his business. It's because he's got a great personal credit rating. He owns a home." And the bank says, yeah, it's, it's what we call a secured line of credit. And it's, I mean, it's wonderful to have because it's prime plus two and it's just sitting there and wow, it's great. But it's not a working line of credit. Mm. It doesn't, as your sales go up, your line of credit will never go beyond 300000 until you once again reapply with a bank and they look for assets on your balance sheet. And a traditional lender, like a bank, is typically looking for three times coverage. They, wow. First of all, they want you. They want to see that you've got positive cash flow for one, two, three years. Depends on the time of day for them, because these rules change all the time within the banking community. And these poor bankers are faced with changing rules and changing appetite in their credit department. But really, the bank wants a no risk situation, and so they want to see positive cash flow for a couple of years. And they want to see some tangible assets, either in the balance sheet of the business or on the personal net worth side to fall back on. And ideally, they want to see themselves covered three to one. They also control how much money you take out of that business because they have that debt to equity. So you can't, you Mm. know, businesses who pull cash out, all the cash out and pay themselves well, banks don't like that. But nonetheless, if you've got that secured line of credit at the bank, so now they come to me because all of a sudden the bank is saying no and, and sales are ratcheting up. And I'm going, OK, let's look at some of the different options that what do you need? You know, and if it's a line of credit, we look at things like what can you use to secure that line of credit? So you can you can margin your receivables. You can you can factor your receivables. You can borrow again. If you've got a purchase order, you can. There are companies who will advance you monies on your purchase order. If you have inventory, there are business lenders who lend against inventory. If you have a track record of cash and a decent personal credit rating, you can get these cash advance loans. There are companies that e-commerce lenders who will look at your sales, your your, uh, Google sales, and they will actually advance you monies to buy clicks you know if you have equipment or real estate 
There are lenders who will look at the equity in that and they will lend you money against that. You know, that's hard money. And so I say to my clients, I say, well, they go, well, I'm thinking of uh, I'm going to get an investor. Or I'm going to go look for a partner or uh, I'm looking for some some shareholders, uh, looking for an angel. And I say, don't do it. Let mm-hmm. me show you the financing tools, the alternative financing tools, debt tools that you could use and avoid that any kind of equity dilution. Yeah. And while we're on that topic. People usually come to me and they have a cash flow crisis because they've been sitting there waiting for their bank to come up with a solution. But the bank finally now says, you know what? I can't help you. And in order for me to help you, it's going to be, it's going to be 60 days. That is what you, these, these poor business owners have to deal with is it's a 60 day approval process through, you know, either the, the BDC or, or, or these banks. And they don't have 60 days. Just and to find out if you're approved or not. Just to find out if you're approved or not. Yeah. So, so, so they come to me and they go, "Hey, I need a hundred thousand by, you know, next week, or I've got this order I have to fill by, uh, you know, February 28th." And so they don't have the time. And so I am able to provide them with what we call debt financing. It's called also transactional financing, right? Asset-based lending. And I show them how they can access that money on an ongoing basis as they proceed to grow their business to prevent cash flow problems. Cash flow problems is a killer because now all of a sudden you, that's your biggest problem. That you, yeah. you forget about sales, you forget about marketing, you forget about growth because now you're focused on solving that cash flow problem. You yeah. run around, collect money from your friends. You're going doing this. Next thing you know, your business, it's like a spiral that makes things worse for your business. So I say, get out of that spiral. Forget about the chase for money. Let me show you the tools that will allow, provide you the cash flow and the working capital you need. You focus on sales. I'll help you with the cash. You make sure your numbers look good. And then you focus on growing your business. So the, there's, a couple, of things the part. there's a couple of things here that I want to dive into. One is, yeah. is bringing it back to the equity scenario. And I've seen this a lot. Entrepreneurs run around, they're in a cash crunch. And they're like, well, I'm going to bring on an, uh, on a partner or I'm going to bring on an investor. And that money comes in, not factoring in the cost of capital. What's the cost of that money going to be both hard and soft? Hard when you go and sell the company in the future and how much that person's taken out that could be yours. And the soft is the, the pain points of having to deal with them for whatever reasons, whatever things they can come up with. You know, they're a minority investor and all of a sudden they come with a fandangled idea of how you should run your business. When you look at those costs and now we bring it over to the side of debt, basically when you take on debt, your obligation is to pay back that principal and pay back your the interest. Now, what is the cost of capital usually for the different kinds of financing that you're you're able to access for your clients. Yeah, no, no, I get asked that all the time. You know, hey, how much does it cost? And I, I'll give you an outline of the typical cost, depending on it really is about what is the asset and what is the risk and, and all that other good stuff. But what you said is what's the cost of equity dilution? What's the cost of taking on a, a partner or a shareholder or a investor? It's going to be the if you if at the wrong time, when if your business is you're at a million in sales 
and you're you're not doing great. You're, you know, it kind of you know, business is struggling. The financials don't look great. The value of your business when you when you dilute equity and you sell, that's going to be the most expensive money that you ever raised, and it could also be the worst decision you ever made because that that shareholder. I say the best part about debt is that once you pay it off, bye bye. You're rid of them, right? Mm. Try doing that with equity. Try taking on a partner, borrowing a hundred thousand dollars from your buddy, or your, or your, or, or some some investor, and then things go really good, and now you're at a two million in sales, and you go back to that guy and say, "Hey, here's your hundred grand back, plus a little bit for interest." Nope. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, and 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 so. You know, and same with love money, you know, friends, family, neighbors, you know, your Uncle Bob, you know, you can borrow that money at very low interest rates. Looks good. But can you face him over Thanksgiving dinner? Can you go to his place for Christmas? I mean, what is the cost in in human terms? And when I say debt and my sources of financing, I can I'll tell you exactly how much it costs up front. In dollars and cents, so you can figure out whether it's worth borrowing. Yeah. And, you know, I've had people <laughs> say to me, I, I tell them, okay, here's a typical scenario. Money on the street is, to make things, no, I'm going to round these numbers up, right? Is 2% a month, okay? So the average guy goes, oh, that's 24% interest annually. I don't want to do that. That's too high. And he'll go borrow money from 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 some angel that that just rubbing his hands together saying, "You've got a great business. I want in." No, two percent a month. Really, all you're doing, you know, when you when you give somebody net thirty terms, when you say one of your customers, "Hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to send you an invoice. You pay me in thirty days." The cost of that is two percent for thirty days. Right? Three mm. percent for forty five. So really, now. I can make sure that you get your money immediately. So you don't have to wait 45 days to pay. You get paid immediately by my lenders, right? And and so really the cost is 2 to 3% for that transaction. Then the, it pays, you pay back the lender, and you move forward and borrow it again. So the I'm talking about, and a lot of business owners don't get this, the difference between short-term, medium-term, and long-term borrowing. Mm. And that your funding source has to match the uses, right? Right, so, yeah. So you've got real estate, you take a long-term loan. If you've got a inventory or you've got some equipment, it's more of a medium-time loan. And if it's short-term money, then you've got things like purchase order financing, factoring, trade finance, short-term tools. So it's not 24 months or 24% interest. It's 2% for 30 days. Now, look, that's I'm, I'm going to quickly spell out a scenario and, and yeah. how this works. And, and I mean, it's going to be dirt simple, but I think it will illustrate the scenario. So companies doing a million bucks and they, they get a PO from Costco. And now yeah. they've got to cough up to fulfill on that PO to the supplier of, yeah. of the, the products. And they're in a cash crunch. So they can go factor that PO, as I'm understanding from you, and maybe it's two, three, four percent what it costs them for a large hundred thousand dollar purchase order. Now that's going to erode their margins. 
but their margins yeah. are still going to be if you know if if they've done business well they should be relatively healthy and enable them to to float that 4% and move on to the next purchase order which is larger and larger it's effectively an investment in the business versus uh, a dilution of equity of the business. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, I start out the conversation, that's part of the conversation, the exploratory conversation. You go, so what's your gross margin? You know, I had a guy, poor guy, he's uh, distributing fuel, right? Just, just to, uh, airplane fuel up somewhere north. And, and I say, and he goes, ah, my receivables. He says, these, these guys take, you know, 60, 90 days to pay me. And, and, uh, you know, drag their feet and I'm having a cash flow problem and I can't even, you know, this business sucks. I think I want to sell it. And I said, well, I said, so what's your gross margin? He goes, well, I, I, I charge 7% above the price of the fuel. I go, I go, dude, you cannot afford to finance that. You're, you're giving away. So you're giving them a, you got a 7% gross margin and you're waiting 60 days to get paid plus. Mm-hmm. That does not make business sense. Your clients are getting free financing. Yeah. They're getting that fuel for 60 days for, for nothing. And, and you're delivering it right to them. So there's a losing business. I say, you know, you got to look at 25% mark, gross margin, 40% or the keystone where you're getting 100%. You know, you really, this, my tools, I wouldn't even advocate starting a business unless you had a decent gross margin. Yeah, let's talk about that, Tom. I, I, I'm very curious. You've seen a lot of businesses, small, medium enterprise businesses, and yeah. and you know even just the small business, because I mean the a medium medium enterprise can are, can start being you know quite high in revenue if you want to measure it that way. But if we're talking a small business and people are looking to get into it or potentially buy a business, what scenarios have you seen? You mentioned one of an airplane fuel company. What other kind of businesses are out there that you see? That and what are the metrics that you look and go? That's really healthy, or that's really interesting. You know, what what are you seeing? What kind of companies are out there that have margins that that you can work with? Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a, I guess, would be the traditional business. I'm not the guy that likes to work with. He's got this great app, you mm. know, or he's, uh, you know, developed this software problem. Although I'm I'm learning more about the software as service industry, the SaaS model. And there's a lot of those where you get the annual renewal fee, you know, that's, <laughs> it's kind of nice, but it's hard to start up. Right. But, yeah. But, 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 and then those guys, by the time they come to me and they go, Hey, I got some cash flow going here. I'd like to, you know, factor these, these, uh, I say, well, what percent of your business do you own? He goes, well, about uh, 15%. Like, <laughs> okay. Gather everybody else up. And let's have a conversation. No, it, it doesn't work. You've, you've already diluted yourself out of the picture. You have no control. You can't, you know, anyways, I'm off topic. What I like are manufacturers, distributors, and B2B service companies. Mm. So, you know, there's not many much manufacturing. I wish there was more. I, I you know, we need to encourage more local manufacturing. I agree 100%. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily manufacturing, but maybe they just, they import all the parts and they assemble it. That's the same thing, right? Yeah. And, and, and then the distributors. So they're importing products and they're maybe, uh, maybe directly, they just import them and ship them straight to Costco or, or they've got a warehouse where they distribute them out to the local small, 
places. So the distributor, manufacturer, wholesaler, same thing. Or the B2B service companies, which are very intriguing to me because, you know, I think they're going to be more popular these days. Like temp agencies, janitorial services, security companies, you know, I, 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 I could have my list here. Be, you know, these are these are traditional businesses that really provide a service or a product. They're owned by a, they're privately held, you know. Yeah. Stay out of that public market. It's just it's, you can lend to it, but the, it's like herding cats. Forget it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to work with one guy. I mean, this is the Viking philosophy of finance, which is you're one person who owns a business. Surround yourself with individuals like myself, experts who can help guide you, but we're non-equity partners. And the lenders that I introduce to you are non-equity partners. They don't make a lot of money off a business who sells a million a year, but you get that thing up to two, three, five, ten. Now your lenders are making more money. And that's, it's kind of, you know, I hate to say that, you know, win, win, win kind of thing, but that's the way it works. And then, so I say to a guy, he says, well, your business is, you know, you're, you're selling, you know, 2 million now and you've struggled, but now your things are turning around. Now you think you can grow this thing to five and 10. What if I could help you to grow your business to $10 million and you own a hundred percent of that business at the end of it, you know? Look yeah. at the exit strategy difference between the valuation of a business with a million in sales, which is, you know, five, six times EBITDA, five, you know, your gross net income. And then make that, what's the difference between a million dollar company who's just sort of getting going and a $10 million company who has everything figured out? Yeah, the yeah, very difference big difference. Yeah. It's exponential. It's like, it's like, night and day and if you're dragging along some 10 percent partner that that individual is going to enjoy it but he's you know <laughs> they've done nothing for it so don't let the that equity in at the beginning let me show you how you can control your own destiny control now, your business now let's let's talk about the relationships here like you you're an advisor and you know i think every Every good company needs a good lawyer, they need a good accountant, and they need some good insurance. But now when it comes to financing, they need a good financial advisor. And that's the what I would see where you would fall into this. And then let's Not talk a financial about, advisor. Let's talk relationships. I'm a cash guy. I am your cash guy. Okay. Well, to me, uh, yeah, okay. I'm your working capital guy. Right? Yeah. You need money. You need cash. Let's talk about I'm the relationships though though. And and how do those work? When when you work with your clients, do they have a one-on-one relationship with the lenders or do they go directly through you? And and really it's it's not so much specific to your business but in general, what's your philosophy on relationships when it comes to financing for debt? Great question. I start out with a conversation, right? Which I've had a, many of them over the 30 years with wide variety of individuals with many different industries and, and sizes of business. So within that time frame, I'm, I, I can ascertain really what's, what's going on, what you need. And it's, it's, you know, I have a questionnaire and all this other stuff like, where are you at and where do you want to be? Where, where are you headed? Okay. Cause all those questions will determine what the best source of financing is. And then what I do is I say, okay, send me 
do you want to work with me? And I, I don't charge them a thing. All my services are free, which is, you know, that's why I can be totally honest with my client and totally open. And I am. So then I collect information and you got it. If you can't put together a, the information that a lender needs, and there's no point in going to a lender in the first place, right? So, right. so financial statements or your bank statements or your copy of this purchase order. I know all the things that a lender's going to say. So send it to me first. And what I do is I kind of organize it. I look at it. I evaluate it. Maybe I have got some, I know then I can see, oh, you're lend, the lender. Is going to ask you about this. They're going to ask you about that. So prepare the answers to these questions, and then and then I say, here's what I think you should do. And if the owner agrees, they say, yeah, I, I meant to do that. Then I then I bring them to to the one lender at a time. <laughs> a lot of these bozos out there think, hey, I'm just going to apply with everybody mm. and see what happens. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Take your time. Pick the right lender. And I know all the good lenders now. I've interviewed them all, Canada and the U.S. And I just want to make a point here. This is a really interesting differentiator between equity financings and debt financings from what I'm hearing from you. In the world of equity financing, you go out there and you want to build tension. You want to build interest and, and excitement around your deal so that everybody is, is looking to, to invest by a certain closing date. And so you get everybody start, you try to spin everybody into, into the story and get them excited about that. And if hopefully, you know, you, you oversubscribe or you have a competition among investors to come in to, to fund your deal. That's in the world of equity. And what I'm yeah. hearing from you, which is really interesting, is don't go out there and just blanket the market with your, your pursuit of debt. Go in individually and, and have individual conversations, one at a time. Very different approach. Yes, totally. And that's why I feel so bad about the, you know, the, these business owners that are looking for financing. Right? You're a SME, which means small, medium-sized enterprise, which encompasses 95% of all businesses in Canada. They give them a name like SME. You're a SME. You're a SME. Small, medium-sized enterprise. If you the definition... I think is 10 million in sales or less. So if you're a guy with a business of an $8 million business a year, you're a SME and you're put into the SME category and you're treated like a SME, right? Mm. So, so it, it really, you, you've got to, that's my, that's my, those are my people, right? And the equity thing you were talking about, like going out there and, and scatter gunning it, there's a number of things that happens in debt. And, and one of them is everybody pulls a personal credit rating and bang, bang, bang. Next thing you know, you got all these inquiries. And most of those websites on the Internet that say, hey, I will solve. Here's a one stop solution. Really, what do you need? Real estate, equipment, leasing, factoring, people financing, blah, blah, blah. Just click here. It takes them to a form which says, hey, your name, blah, 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 blah. and the same form. No matter what you're applying for, you go to the same form, fill it out, submit, and it's going to a broker in Florida, probably. And that broker in Florida has arrangements with different lenders, and they just zing, pass them up. Mm. And then the lender gets it and calls, hey, how you doing? Uh, got your inquiry. Uh, let's have your bank statements and all this stuff. 
Nobody's talked to anybody. It's all through the internet. And, you know, a lot of these guys get declined. They don't know why. And a lot of these fintech lenders, these instant, you know, let, uh, uh, you know, online systems, you just get thrown into the reject pile. And right. all they're doing is they're looking for the uh, the approvals. And and if they can do ten approval, hundred approvals a day, bing, they're they're okay. They don't care about the other ones, right? So so that business owner is going. Oh, I've been declined. Now there's a whole bunch of inquiries on his internet. Now he comes to me finally, and I get. And and it's a, it's a harder job to resurrect that file because the lenders are going going well. This guy's been shopping around to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you start to and, kind of diminish the uh, your reputation. You know, why didn't the first guy take him? But there you go. There you go. And then it, 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 he looks desperate. It looks. It could be. It, it looks a lot like fraud. Everybody's uh-huh. afraid of fraud these days. So when a lender, when I bring them a lender, when I bring them a client. Right. So I don't charge my clients anything. My lenders pay me. My lenders pay me a small amount on an ongoing basis if we're successful. Yeah. But they love my deals because they know they've been vetted a little bit. I've had a conversation. I mean, I can't avoid fraud totally. I've been defrauded in the past. I can't guarantee my lenders that this isn't fraud. I said, do your homework. I said, I've met the guy. I've talked to the guy. I mean, you know, I, I know this. Look at the financials. Look at this. Look at that. And then my lender says, you know, I really like this deal, Tom. I want to talk to him. Then I make the introduction. And then I basically have to back off because I'm not lending my guy the money. That, And I want that relationship to be between them because I'm not going to babysit it. I'm going to get you the money, get you set up, monitor it on an ongoing basis. But I'm, I can't get, I don't want, I don't get in the middle of that. Right? You have to. This is what people don't understand that it's a, it's a relationship with your, with your, your with your lender. Right? Mm. It's a relationship with your banker. It's a relationship with all of your different lenders. And if you have a good relationship. You can borrow more and more money. They may give you a half a million now, but you keep doing well. And in six months, they'll say, hey, let's go to 750. You know, hey, I just want to, I want to build on that point. One of my past yeah. guests, former Goldman Sachs um, uh, banker, um, her quote, and it, I'll never forget it. She said, the best of the best companies over communicate from uh, um, her name's Cody Sanchez. And so the best of the best companies over communicate that is applicable to both debt and equity, in my opinion, because if you can go to a debt lender and you start to build a relationship with them where you're communicating the the progress of the company, where the money's being applied, what it's turned into, you pay back within time. When you go for the next money, it's going to be a little bit easier. You start to build that speed of trust. They look and they go, we know exactly what's going on here. We really trust these. They're doing the right thing. And then if something goes sideways, you've now got a relationship to be able to have a communicate or a, a conversation on or, or to, to, to facilitate that versus you borrowed the money. Things went well for a little while. Then they went sideways and you didn't say a word in between. They're going to look at you and say, we need that money back now. And yeah. so I really do think that entrepreneurs need to, 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 invest in in the communication they have with their their investors well i mean investors is the wrong word but lenders 
Ah, okay. You excuse know? me. Yeah, lenders. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, there's no there's no investing. If they they're lending the money, then all they want to be done is paid back. Yeah. Plus the interest and the fees they charge, and you know they don't. You know nobody likes in the in the debt world. Nobody the, the worst thing is is a surprise. Mm. Or what we call it is the hundred oh no's, you know, like, oh, I didn't tell you this. Or they, you know, unpeeling the onion slowly. And next thing you know, oh, hey, wait a minute. You've got unpaid taxes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Mm. You know, like, like, and then, you know, then then also, like, if you have a bank relationship or lender relationship and things are kind of, uh oh, I've got a problem with a project. It looks like there's a, you know, my my workers did a whole bunch, made a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> Don't let your lenders find out about that three months later. You know, yeah, no surprises. Just say, hey, Bill, I've got this problem. Want to let you know I'm dealing with it. Here's how I'm dealing with it. It should be a problem, but you might see a few little things in the next few months. But I've got it figured out. You know, listen to the difference in that. So the yes, your debt lenders are your best partners and as such they're non-equity partners non-equity partners they deserve good communication and that sort of gets into what i you know supplier credit supplier credit that's working with your suppliers to get credit from them your supplier is going to give you 30-day terms they're going to give you free money no interest no collateral no personal guarantees no liens no equity dilution, no nothing. They're going to give you money for 30 days. And yet people, when they have a cash flow problem, will pay their supplier late. Mm. Now you're, you're taking the best source of money you've got. And you're telling them, eh, I don't care too much about you. I'm going to pay you late. Yeah, yeah, I got a cash flow problem. I'll pay you. Don't worry about it. And that's the wrong attitude. If you actually did it my way, I'd show you how you pay them early. You pay mm. them early. They actually will give you a discount for paying them early. They I just want to actually... point out, it was, it was a really interesting thing. So I've been on the, yeah. the, the losing side of, of getting paid late in my business, and that's, yeah. that's a painful thing. But I've also, early in my career, I worked with a company that was, um, had, was an electronics company, and we were selling into London Drugs, a Canadian yeah. multifaceted store chain. And they had a great solid, electronics. Solid debtor. Solid debtor. Well yeah. yeah. Well, the one Good. thing that I noticed there, and it was just, it was incredible. They would pay, we would net 30, and they would pay 15 days or 20 days religiously. And yeah. the, the kind of culture that came with that, the, the, it made us want to strive to, to make sure they were happy. Right? Bingo. Like it was just, it changed the culture, the nature of the relationship in yeah. how they paid us. And I just thought yeah. that was a beautiful thing. It's it's really yeah. interesting to to compare that. And look how well they've succeeded. And look at some of the unique suppliers that are in there that that make them successful. Mm. And and so that is the idea. I I advocate that all the time. Working with your well, in their case, vendors, but rather yeah. The oil and gas company, there's a good one up there, right? Where those guys got into a bit of problem and they told they told all their vendors, their suppliers and and, and contractors that, hey, now we're gonna pay you slower. Mm. You know, here's a billion dollar company that's telling this, you know, driver or welder, 
that now we're only going to we're going to pay you in 120 days. A lot of those guys called me and I go, you know, 120 days, you're getting paid three times a year, 120 days. It's ridiculous. Three to, it, it's exactly opposite of what they should have been doing. Right. So a lot of those guys got out of the business. They moved right. back to Newfoundland and Maritimes and they just folded their companies and said, you know, screw you. I can't I can't afford 120 days. Yeah. And so now, guess what? They're looking. They, they can't find enough people to do the work that they've got now. Everything's coming back. All those people moved back to Newfoundland. Now, now they're lobster fishermen. So now they're going, wait a minute. I'm not coming back there and, and, and waiting 120 days to get paid. Oh, no, no. It's back to 90 days. Forget it. You yeah. know what I mean? They, they've destroyed their relationship. That, I've seen it so many times, that whole, I hate to say it. What do they say? When, you know, you call a banker and you say, hey, I need more working capital. Okay, get on the phone and collect your receivables faster and pay your payables slower. Talk about the worst idea ever, right? Call your good customers and say, hey, I'm having a cash flow problem. Can you pay me early? Wrong. Calling your suppliers who are giving you free money and saying, hey, we're not even calling them, just paying them later. Checks in the mail. And, and checks in the mail. Oh, my God. You are now destroying your business. Yeah. You are now, the, the screws are tightening. And yeah. and uh, what I say is, no, no. You, you always pay your customers on time. And I just told you the value of money. It's 2% for 30 days. So, so yeah, I just want to come back to that two percent for yeah. thirty days. I mean, is that just kind of a, a ballpark there? And then yeah, what other fees go with in it? the old days? You know, I would tell you that uh, I mean, my the deals I'm doing now one point six five. You know, for thirty days, or people are squeezing down to one five. I did a one point two five for thirty days. Wow. And then you know it goes up to maybe three percent for the higher risk deals. And so this is in these numbers are in the realm of of factoring, kind of factoring yeah. receivables yeah. or or and also yeah, I mean, because there's a broad kind of range of financings you can do. Right. Uh, if we talked about real estate, we would be in a different ballpark. So is this factoring or what specific financing is this about? Factoring, purchase order financing, trade financing, that sort of cash flow, working capital. Okay. So, yeah. you know, say you've got a purchase order from Costco and your supplier is in uh, Asia. And they want 100% payment before they'll ship. Okay, so let's look at that transaction. So Costco has issued you a $100,000 PO on net 30 terms. But you need to send 50 grand to your supplier because that's you got a you keystone. you got a 100% gross margin there. So really, then, so what the lender does is they send 50 grand to the supplier. And you start paying two percent per month, roughly, on that fifty grand, until the money arrives in Costco's dock, or I mean, sorry, the product arrives in Costco's dock. Yeah. Now it's a receivable. Now that receivable is factored. The PO Finance Company gets their money. Then you've paid. 2% on the 50 grand that you had to pay them. And now it becomes a receivable with Costco. And now you're going to pay 2% on that 100 grand when it pays in 30 days. Right. Okay. 
but you have, you know, that's no supplier credit. That that is, and a lot of over the last couple of years, that's the calls I've been getting from people who was I used to have credit from my Asian supplier, and now they want COD. Mm. Now you got guys like bikes and there's certain products. Now you have to pay them a year in advance, you know, or right. like six months in advance. I'm going. That's a tough one. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said you could do it. But look what it's going to cost you in terms of 2% a month. So really what you do, you have to do is you have to raise your price, right? 2% a month. Okay. It's good. Now my supplier wants. Yeah. So it gets days. factored into the, to the top line it, price. It eventually, you know, that's what business is all about is you have to, you know, a lot of people don't realize what their cost of capital is. It is a fix. It is a cost. I mean, it's hard to tell when you're, I don't know what equity costs. Who knows? God knows. But it's, you know, with debt, you can actually figure out how much your debt is costing you. And then you can build that into the pricing of your product. You know, I think a good analogy is that the same way you build the the pricing, perhaps per square foot of your factory or yeah. of the, the, the manufacturing labor it takes to put together a product or the yeah. cost it takes, you know, cost per click for marketing. Yeah. You can you can build in that cost of capital. It cost me two percent. It cost me three percent, and you yeah. build that into your model to look and say, "Hey, this is this is viable." Yeah. I really think that in and around debt, it's just way too misunderstood. Yeah. So this is this has been interesting to kind of paint some yeah. or you know put some color to it. It's like my kids say they're twenty year olds. They go, "Oh, dad, debt is bad." And I go, well, <laughs> "Debt is good." You know, honey, you'll learn. You'll learn. You know, yeah. that is good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it depends, right? I mean, what kind of debt are you taking on? I mean, there is some bad debt out there the same way you have, you know, some vulture capitalists. So you could look and there's probably vulture lenders too as well. So um, yeah. well, I tell people, I said, honey, it's, it depends on what you're spending it on. I said, if you're going to go out and party and drink with your friends, yeah, debt is stupid. But if you're going to go out and buy... She's in the flower business. If you want to borrow money, you go out and you buy a bunch of flowers and then you sell them for twice the value, then debt is good, right? Mm. Like it, it's, I say to guys, I say from a factors, from a lender's, from an alternative lender's perspective, it's not about can we lend you the money? It's about where are you going to spend it? How are you going to spend it? Now, you know, once you, once, once you put cash into a business owner's hands, the power dynamic switches, right? So mm. now who has the power? It's it's the business owner. He's got that cash. Mm. And today, nobody can force the business owner to pay his taxes and pay his suppliers and pay his landlord. You know, it's up to them. You hope he does. And I try to vet that out by here's 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 somebody with a real business who wants to grow it. He wants to be successful. And he'll pay you back, right? And that's all a debt lender. Just pay us back. Mm-hmm. We're going to lend you this money. Pay us mm-hmm. back. We don't want to have to recover your collateral. They, you know, a lot of a lot of borrowers make that mistake. Well, you've got my house if you want it. You've got my vehicle if you want it. You've got my inventory if you want it. Nobody wants it. Mm. No debt lender wants it. We don't want to repossess your house. We don't want to take away your car. We don't want to go into your warehouse and take a bunch of inventory. We don't want that. Yeah. I think we will. Let, we me ask to, you, let me ask you about, we'll go back to the, the Costco example. Yeah. Once 
let's say $100,000 of the product arrives on Costco's dock and yeah. you now have a uh, a receivable that's factorable yeah. and you know you could factor that receivable to to an organization yeah. what percentage will they factor because and how do they look at it if if there's a, a potential for returns on those that product do they factor that in you know how do they evaluate the the factorability of that receivable yeah. yeah no that's a good question because i mean i had a guy <laughs> He was putting. Uh, he did the. Uh, he was doing logos of the NHL teams on, on classes, and uh, he was selling, uh, you know, a whole ton of them. But, you know, the, all of a sudden the invoice came back and it was short, twenty thousand dollars. And you go, what? What happened here? Well, it was breakage. The glasses broke in transit when they arrived in Costco's deck dock. Mm. It was twenty percent breakage. Oh my God. Okay. Well. You know, repackage it, make it differently. Uh, what was the other one? Was uh, tropical fish? <laughs> I didn't know how many of those fish die in transport, but uh, it's quite significant. So, yes, you have to the advance rate on that. So that so the factor typically typical is eighty percent advance. So, in that scenario, I told you where you advance fifty grand to the supplier, and then it hits Costco's dock. So a hundred thousand dollar invoice that would produce eighty thousand bucks. Fifty would go to pay off the PO finance company, and the business would only get thirty thousand in fresh cash. Mm. Until no, they get eighty thousand. Yeah. Right? They they get eighty thousand. I mean, it would be an eighty thousand dollar purchase, but some of that money had to go back to the uh, PO finance company. But so it's eighty percent advance, and and if you have that kind of product that breaks or dies in transit, or those returns and things like that, those retailers, that's <laughs> that's another way that they screw over the, the small business owner now has to eat all those returns from Costco. Of and, you know, so the lenders are saying, well, let's see some historicals and see what kind of return rate you've got. And yeah, it's, it's once again, the other thing, slotting fees, co-marketing fees, all that stuff. These poor guys, they finally think, hey, I've got my salsa sauce into Safeway. And next thing you know, the invoice comes back and it's been eaten alive by all these fees that have been taken. Mm. So and they go, what's this? But if you actually turn that PO over, it'll, it'll explain on the back. It says, here, we're going to slotting fees and these fees and that fees. And it doesn't do a, a factor any good to over advance that business owner. I mean, the business owner says, hey, great, give me 80%, but then only 50% of the invoice comes back. The factor is going to take that money on the next invoice. So mm. he's going he's gonna to lose that. It's just another cost of doing business, something that you have to be aware of. My lenders are aware of it. You know, a lot of the clients that come to me aren't quite that experienced, so they're not sure what's going on, but we can advise them. It's hey, like, you need what, to expect what, what I think is interesting rate. there is like as an example of the due diligence a lender is going to do, you say, you know, oh yeah, what is your oh, return yeah. rate? You know, historically, how many returns do you have? Ah, okay, so yeah. with this PO, we could have a twenty percent return rate, so we're going to factor less that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and to me, I think it's part of the. I, I've always said when when you're doing a financing, and this is the you know the world I've been in is an equity financing. When you're doing an equity financing. And you put together the the deal room, basically where you have all of your or your the data room, excuse me, 
you've got all of your information there for due diligence. You better put it in there as clean and easy to follow as possible. It better be as easy as like reading a, a table of contents in a book. And the reason I say this is because it's like a user experience. If the investor who's coming to view all that data can just easily walk through there, get all the answers they need, and it's seamless and there's zero friction, the potential of getting the, the money is going to be faster and likely on better terms. I think that's a, exactly applicable here in debt financing as well. Probably more so because, mm. you know, equity financing is about dreams, right? Uh, yes. It's about, ooh, wow, this thing's going to go crazy. It'll be fantastic. So, so a little less attention is paid to, uh, you know, there's a, many examples of companies that are valued in billions of dollars that have never made a dime. Very and, true. Yeah, you know, what due diligence was done there. I, I see a lot of these slide decks and everything like that. People send me, look at this, Tom, look at this great business. Wow, yeah, it looks like a lot of hype and everything. But once you cut down, let's see the financial statements. Who are your customers? What's your gross margin? You know, what sort of, when you get down to the nitty gritty, is it a real business? You know, is it generating money? I mean, you can go there, you know, huff, puff, root, you know, the equity. Hey, if you talk a big story, if you're a good bullshitter, you can be successful with equity financing. Mm. It doesn't work in debt. Mm. No bullshit. You're right. Let's yeah. get down to it. You know, because these are people who are going to lend you money. They're going to give you their cash. All they want to do is be paid back on time and get their little interest, right? And then then they're gone. Whereas you, and I, I say this to, you know, business owners, you are going to go through a whole bunch of different lenders. And you may have two or three bank relationships along the way because the bank will only take you so far. And then you got to know where to go next. So then you use alternative finance to grow you to the next stage. And then, then you go back to the bank. The banks today are focused on a small number of very successful businesses and they all are lowering their rates, removing covenants, guarantees, personal guarantees, all that stuff in order to get that business, to steal that business. In the business, we say they're dropping their shorts in order to get the business. Mm. But they're focused on that, not the SME who's struggling and growing and all that other stuff. But that's my market. Yeah. And so I, I, I bring them to the bank. The bank is there. You want the bank when they want you. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to hear your input. You you see uh, an interesting perspective of the market. And with our current economy, you hear so many different things. One thing, the, the markets are seeing record highs, but we're also, others are saying, you know, we're, we're, we're in a recession. And then we have supply chain issues, which are causing problems across the board. We're having labor issues because people don't want to work because the government's filled their, their boots with cash. Yeah. Where, with, with your perspective, where's our economy at and your clients? What is happening and what should we or small medium enterprises be prepared for? Well, yeah, I, I, I guess the answer is you have to be prepared for anything, right? And you know, you have to be flexible. It is the unknown. I mean, that true Viking finance is about the journey into the unknown. And you know, being prepared for that. 
being trained. You know, you just don't sail across the ocean and, you know, like Columbus did a thousand years after the Vikings. You take little journeys. You go as far as you can, as long as you can see land, right? And then when you get somewhere nice, you stop, you replenish, you rethink, then you go again. And then when you're finally about to go across that into the unknown, where there's no more land to follow, your ship is full of experienced people who have been there, done that, been there, right? Guy like, you need somebody in sales. You got it. Sales is the most key thing. Cash, cash is king. That's for good reason. That's where I come in. I can show up, always have cash. Numbers is you got to have good accountants. You have to have a good bookkeeper to start with, and then you have to have an accountant. You have to have somebody interpret your numbers, be able to do projection, cash flow projections. Tell your accountants, let's see some projections. So good numbers, people, So and have them explain to you what those numbers are. And then the fourth component is growth management. And that is where, as we started this conversation saying, yeah, it's hard to grow a business from a million to 10 million. That's because of the growth. You got to gather, <laughs> you got to get the people, you got to plan the future. You got to, it is really, I, I admire people who do, who can do that. That's not my forte. I'm cash, right? I'm just cash. Mm. I love it. I bring this guy's cash and I say, Hey, now let's see what you can do with it. Right. And many of them, I mean, I, I have so many good stories of how, you know, young people have taken a business and grown it hugely successful. And they still own that business down the road. They still control it. A lot of them don't admit that I helped them along the way. They don't, you know, because that's just the nature of my beast. I'm just in there as an alternative solution during that period of time to make sure that you have the best chance to succeed. And I, those opportunities still exist today. It's exactly the same. It's just everything's going to be more expensive, right? Now, yeah, you're going to have to pay your labor more to get them involved. You know, to get all those guys back from Newfoundland, I mean, they're making $100,000 a month with lobster. But, you know, how are you going to get them to come back up to uh, the old patch? You're going to have to pay them <laughs> more than that, right? And, mm. and and then there's new products. There's openings. I, I haven't dealt with any of these mask manufacturers. I mean, I dealt with, I had 37 requests for PO financing of masks. You know, and not one of them got done because everybody thought, hey, this sounds easy. I got a PO. And here now, Tom, hey, can you fill this PO? No, I, you were a mechanic. You were a taxi driver. PO finance, you know, you're a distributor of masks. No, it doesn't work that way, right? right. You have to have a business that uh, you can prove to your lenders that you know what you're doing. Yeah, you know, it's reality check time. Ladies and gentlemen, and but there's opportunities everywhere, and a new economy, or you just have to keep your eyes open for those opportunities. I wouldn't I open. You. A, yeah, you know, one thing I've taken away from this whole pandemic was it was amazing to see how much of a, in some cases, a transition of wealth happened, and, and I'm not just talking about you know billionaires getting richer, but for certain businesses that were just created overnight and have become very successful. You know, our tourism sector and our, our hospitality sector, it took a beating. But in other cases, there's been really interesting success stories that have come from this shift in, in opportunity or shift in uh, in our economy. So interesting uh -huh. to see and interesting to see how it will shake out. Tom, I'm just looking at time here. 
this hour went pretty damn quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Any final thoughts for our audience? I, I really did appreciate some of your insights about lenders and debt because it's not the world that I've ever been in. But any final thoughts for our audience on this? No, I think so. it, it has some great questions, and, and I, I probably rambled on a little bit and lost track somewhere. But you know, that's what it is. When communication is a is a uh, it's not a science. It's kind of like let's talk and see what happens, and then you know we may leave this, and then there's more questions, right? Oh, I should have asked him that, or whatever, or I should have told you that. So, so those things come in time, and and so I'm a bit of a throwback, you know, with True Viking Finance. I'm saying, okay, let's let's start with a conversation, right? Mm. Let's figure this out. I need to know, you know. And I choose my clients because I don't charge them anything. So I, I, I can be selective. I don't work with just anybody. They, you better have a good attitude. You better have a decent business. You better have a willingness to listen. You have to, I say to these young people, I say, what do you want to do? You know, you want to get a, you know, I got the gig economy, you know, you want to get a job with the government. You want to go into medical. What, you know, what do you want to do? Some people say, no, I want to be, you know, and the other ones say, hey, we never had the chance that you did to buy real estate and see it, you know, and all of a sudden now it's worth a billion dollars and you now you just cash out. You're just lucky. You're like, but that opportunity isn't there for me to make that money. And I say, hey, the opportunity is there to make you for you to make money as an entrepreneur, to start a business, grow a business, build a business and make a fortune, make your fortune by owning a business. And so those are my people, my, you know, people say, do you work with startups? Well, I can, I can show them along the way. I can't really, there's no financing. You know, you gotta, you gotta put some skin in the game and then you gotta make a sale. Then you gotta make another sale. And then you gotta prove that there's a profit in that business. And once you do that for a period of time, six months, 12 months, you know, now you're showing a pattern. Now I can start lending you money. I can, I can show you how to get money, get it going, get it moving. And then make sure that it's a proven concept. You got enough gross margin that you can afford these financing. Stay away from the equity game. Don't be dreaming about the shark tank before. A lot of people think, oh, it's a 30 second commercial. What, okay, whatever it is, don't dilute equity. You can dangle it, just don't ever sell it. So, yes, what I'm saying, then wrap it up. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. If you have a real business, there's a way to finance it. There's a lot of finance lenders out there. I can show you the way. Don't go on the internet in the middle of the night and start looking for money. Prepare. Don't call me and say, I need money in three days. You know, give your lenders some time. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And if you've got a good business, then it's financeable. And use debt, not equity, and grow your business. It takes time. Be patient. The funding sources are there. And uh, I'm I'm open to a phone call and thank you, Corey, for letting me talk to whoever's listening here. And they can go visit TrueVikingFinance.ca and and uh, and and schedule a conversation with me. And that's where it starts. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, you're most welcome. And and I mean, it's these are the kind of insights that I think all business owners need to have. So I uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And sure. Tom, thanks again. You're welcome. See you, Corey. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insider's Guide to Finance. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit as well. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Play Store. Your support there is really appreciated. 
For future episodes, if there's a question, topic, or specific person you'd like me to interview, feel free to reach out. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website at creativereturn.ca.